Joshua chapter 11. Joshua chapter 11. We've kind of been out of Joshua for probably the last month or so, I guess. We took a couple of those Sundays to, to talk about some texts in relation to the Christmas season. Uh, then we were off one Sunday night, but hopefully we can kind of get back in the swing of things in the book of Joshua. I know some of you may be saying, well, when we ended, we ended kind of in the middle of Joshua chapter 10, and so I hadn't forgotten where we left off, but over the next few chapters, we're going to be kind of combining things. Up until this point through chapter 10, we had gone through kind of verse by verse, looking at everything in a little, uh, a little more detail, but over the next few chapters, we're going to combine some areas and just kind of hit on the high points, uh, in particular, uh, chapter 10 and then into chapter 11 and 12, we kind of see just a, a recap of all of the people that Joshua captured. Uh, we see a few details about different cities that he captured in some of those verses, but it's just kind of a repeat of the same thing. Uh, at the beginning of Joshua, uh, those, those different battles were covered in a little more detail, those first few, uh, Jericho and Ai and some of these other places that they attacked. But... Uh, we go on to see in chapters 11 and 12 that pretty much uh, Joshua and the Israelites go in and clean house. Now, uh, Joshua and the Israelites had been uh, wanting to take this land for, for a long time. God had promised this land to Abraham back hundreds of years ago and said, look, uh, in a few hundred years, your people are going to come and they're going to take possession of this land. But there was a lot of things that happened to the people of Israel in the meantime. While God had made the promise to Abraham some years before, they didn't possess the land until right now that we're about to see here in the next few verses uh, in Joshua. They had just gone in, uh, they were taking over all these places, and finally they were going to be able to take the land that God had promised them. And so we will read verses 16 through the end of the chapter tonight. I'll read the verses, then we'll uh, pray and we'll, we'll jump through them, starting with verse 16. So Joshua took all this land, the hill country, all the Negev, all the land of Goshen, the foothills, the Arabah, and the hill country of Israel within its foothills, from Mount Halak, which ascends to Seir, as far as Belgad in the valley of Lebanon, at the foot of Mount Hermon. He captured all their kings and struck them down, putting them to death. Joshua waged war with all these kings for a long time. No city made peace with the, with the Israelites except the Hivites, who inhabited Gibeon. All of them were taken in battle. For it was the Lord's intention to harden their hearts so that they would engage Israel in battle, be completely destroyed without mercy, and be annihilated just as the Lord had commanded Moses. At that time, Joshua proceeded to exterminate the Anakim from the hill country, Hebron, Debir, Anab, all the hill country of Judah, and all excuse me, and of Israel. Joshua completely destroyed them with their cities. No Anakim were left in the land of the Israelites except for some remaining in Gaza, Gath, and Ashdod. So Joshua took the entire land in keeping with all that the Lord had told Moses. Joshua then gave it as an inheritance to Israel according to their tribal allotments. After this, the land had rest from war. Let's pray. 
God, we thank you for this text tonight, and I pray that we'd get something out of it, dear Lord. There's a lot of a lot of history here to kind of tell us about what went on with your people, but help there to be some good life application, God. Help us to, uh, to be able to... Uh, learn something from this. So speak to us tonight. Speak through me, dear Lord. Hide me behind the cross. Let the Holy Spirit just lead me in what to say and, and, and each one of us in what to hear and what to do, God. And let it be a, a beneficial text to us tonight. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen. So we kind of, we earlier on in, in, in uh, Genesis, we see kind of a, a layout of where all the land's going to be, the promised land that God is going to give to the nation of Israel. And here we see as Joshua and the people of Israel are going into the promised land, we have a few places named. Now, you can have, you'll have to go home and look at a map if you kind of want to get an idea of, of where these places are. But a lot of these places that it talks about at first, uh, the Negev, it talks about Goshen, these are places that kind of wrap around the Mediterranean Sea and, well, let me do it your way, kind of wrap around the Mediterranean Sea and you've got Egypt and then you've got Goshen right there and then you've got the Negev which is all kind of kind of south uh, between the Red Sea uh, and, the, and, and, all of the, and the Dead Sea and all those places. If you're familiar with geography, you know what I'm talking about. But it's kind of the southern part of what modern-day Israel is, and that's where the people of Joshua's day would have started from. Now, Moses had led the people uh, of Israel out of, out of Egypt, and they were kind of around the Red Sea area, wandering in the wilderness for some 40 years, and Joshua had gone northward from there to lead them into the Promised Land. Now, they would have been on the eastern side of the Jordan River and crossed back over into what then was the land of Israel and is now modern-day Israel. And so we kind of get a little bit of an idea, uh, geography, of, of what's going on there in these first few verses. It talks about some places that Joshua waged war against and God delivered uh, these enemies over to the nation of Israel so that they could take the land. If we go on a little further down, though, there's uh, one verse in particular that I think is important just from a historical standpoint for us to point out, and that is in verse 21. At that time, Joshua proceeded to exterminate the Anakim from the hill country. Now, I think it's important that there's special note here made of the Anakim. Now, the Anakim is the reason why that Joshua and the people of Israel wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Because those are the ones that when the, the, the uh, spies went into the promised land to see what was going on, there were 10 who came back and said, we're not going there. And it was because they saw the Anakim. That is, they were these giants. It kind of goes along with the reference of the Nephilim. Now, you can read about that in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 1 and I think Numbers 13 where it talks about when these spies went in and it tells us information of why that some of the Israelites, not Joshua and Caleb, but why some of the spies said, we don't want to go there because of the giants. And that is the reason why they were forced to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Because God said, go in there. I've given you the land. It's already yours. You just got to go live there. I'm going to take care of the rest. But the people of Israel were disobedient. So all the adults of that day and age weren't allowed to enter the promised land. They wandered around for 40 years. In that time, Moses passed the torch to Joshua. And here Joshua is leading the people into the promised land. And guess who's still there? 
the Anakim. And so it's important for us from a historical perspective of exactly what's taken place. This is one of those verses that you could easily just kind of read over and not pay a lot of attention to. But it was a big deal. This is showing the difference between the wilderness wandering Israel and the Israel who's going in to take the promised land. As to where that generation of Israelites were afraid of these people, this generation of Israelites under Joshua said, you know what, God's promised it to us, and we're going to go in and take it. Now there are some other important things I think we can uh, learn from these Anakim as well. Uh, sometimes you see them called uh, Anakites, and sometimes you see them called uh, Anakin, Anakim. So it's the same people when you see that. Uh, let's go down a little further. Uh, it said Joshua completely destroyed their cities. No Anakim were left in the land of the Israelites except for some remaining in Gaza, Gath, and Ashdod. So these big giant people that we see about in the Old Testament, the ones who the Israelites were scared of, most of them were destroyed, but there were a few that remained in these cities that were mentioned. Again, this may be of some importance because it said that some went to Gath. Now, some of you may recall one giant that's pretty popular in the Bible, and that is Goliath. And guess where Goliath was from? He was from Gath. And so we kind of see this theme of these, of these big, huge, giant people throughout the text that the Israelites were scared of. And guess what? At the time of Goliath, guess what the Israelites were? They were afraid of Goliath, all except for David. So these these. Anakim that we see in the text seemed to kind of be a recurring theme for the people of Israel, and they were obviously a formidable opponent, so much so that Israel was scared of them. They were a big enemy to Israel. But what we can see is that even as big as these enemies were, God was bigger than Israel's biggest enemy. And God delivered the people over, uh, God delivered Anakim over to his people in battle here. And God destroyed the enemy, the giant uh, uh, Goliath of Gath, by sending David to destroy him. And God always took care of his people, no matter how big the enemies were, if God's people were obedient to follow what he called them to do. And that is, 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 is good life application for us. Because it was the fear of going in and taking the land that God had given them. It was the fear of the people that caused the nation of Israel to wander around in a mess for 40 years. Would not it have been easier for them just from the get-go to say, All right, God, you've given it to us. We're going to go get it. Wouldn't that have been so much easier for them to do that? But instead, by putting it off, by not following the Lord, they got themselves into a bigger mess than was necessary. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I can relate to that. There are some things in life that, that we get ourselves in a mess, not even, not even spiritual things, just normal, everyday things that these, these things uh, would be much easier if we did them from the start instead of putting them off. I'll give you a, just, a, 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 just a practical life application. Now, before I got married, which was only about two years, six months ago, I've come a long way. I know y'all can thank Michelle for that. <laughs> Let me tell you guys how I lived, and this is going to shock you guys probably. So there wasn't really anything in my house but a bed, and this was my, this was my, I had a, uh, I had a system, I had a single man system, and my system was all of my clothes were arranged in this mountain, it was a pile, 
For, for single men, piling is a, is a system. Not for all single men. I don't want to throw all. But for a lot of single men, piling is, a, is part of the system. And all of my clothes, both winter, summer, and everything in between, were in this pile on top of my dresser. And what I would do is, is I would gather clothes off of that pile, and then I would wear until all the clothes were gone. And then I would take all of the clothes, and then I would try to wash as many at one time as I could. Now, that system also worked for garbage. I would continue to pile garbage, and it would be like a mountain of garbage, and I would all, I can get one more thing in there before I have to take it out. The problem with that system is it's good for a little while, but then when you finally have to clean up, you've got a way bigger mess than what was necessary. If I would have just done right from the get-go and hung my clothes and washed one load at a time, I would have never had to worry about a big pile. I would have never had to worry about wrinkles. I wouldn't have had to worry when I emptied the trash about trash falling everywhere and then getting mad because I got to pick up trash. The point being is, if I would have done what I should to start with, I would have had a lot less of a mess to deal with in the future. And it was the same with the people of Israel. If they would have done what God called them to, they would have saved themselves a lot of hassle and a lot of mess. And it's the same for you and I. Because sometimes God calls us to something, or calls us to do something or not to do something, and we do or don't do what we should do, and boy, we get ourselves in a mess. And then we come crawling back to the Lord and... Thank the Lord God doesn't just shake his finger and say, I told you so, get yourself out of it. Thank the Lord that we have a God who is gracious to us. Just like he was gracious to the Israelites. He said, look, this is your land, I'm going to give it to you. And as we're going to see in these chapters to come, it says in the last verses tonight, So Joshua took the entire land in keeping with all that the Lord had told Moses. Joshua then gave it as an inheritance to Israel according to their tribal allotments. Then, excuse me, after this, the land had rest from war. So Israel had gone through a lot. They, they were living in the land of Canaan, and then all of a sudden the famine struck, and they had to go down to the land uh, of Egypt, and at which point they became enslaved to the Egyptians. Then Moses led them from that. Oh, happy day. It was good. But then they had to wander in the wilderness, and then Joshua comes and leads them into the promised land. And finally, this was hundreds of years in the making. Talk about being patient, waiting on the Lord. They finally entered the promised land and all the wars and everything that was going on, it said, and finally at this point in time, there was rest. And that should give us hope and motivation for whatever we're going to. It might be a situation or circumstance that is of our own doing. It may be a situation or circumstance that is not of our own doing. But as we talked about this morning, it is important for us to be patient, to know that God has a place of rest for us. We may be going through a season where we're facing difficulties, but if we remain obedient to him and what he calls us to, then he will get us through that. He, just as he brought his children of Israel to a place of rest, he will bring us to a place of rest. And if not in this life, then most certainly in the life to come. So over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about Israel finally getting into their promised land. We're going to talk about the different tribes of Israel and the importance of, of these tribes and how this land is broken down. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your good word tonight, and I pray that you would help it to be useful to us. And we thank you for delivering Israel from the enemies that they faced. And God, we thank you for delivering us from the enemies that we face. And we, sometimes we go through tough times, dear Lord, with, with obstacles before us that, that look 
so difficult and so tough. But I pray that you would help us to not be like the Israelites who wandered, dear Lord, because of fear to, to take what you promised them. But God, that we'd be like Joshua and Caleb and that group of Israelites. That no matter what was before them, no matter how difficult it was, that they trusted you, God. And by trusting you, they received a wonderful blessing, a wonderful place, and they received a rest, God. So I pray that if there are any here tonight that are struggling and just, just burdened down, that they would seek you and that you would give them rest. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen. Amen.